The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Are you seeking more energy and ready to have more healings and revealings in your life? Then you've tuned into the right program. For the next hour, listen in as Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, shares with you tools you can use to transform your life. She will guide you on a journey to create a life that is intentional and dynamic. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And so welcome, everyone. I just love the support that all of you offer, the intentional spirit, uh, seeing and being. As we say so often, you know, we're all intentional spirits, but the secret of life is when we focus on areas that are significant, that are important, that are fulfilling, as being a person that loves being a human being, having a, a spiritual expression. And as you know, each and every week we offer tools rather than rules that allow each and every one of us to be more empowered, to be more centered and grounded, and to be able to have a thriving life. You know, it's one thing to let life live you. It's another thing to thrive uh, like the natural laws of nature and to be in that dynamic, ageless essence. And many people long for that, and yet, Very few seem to know the necessity of working with elements, one which would be grief. I am delighted to have today as my guest, Aurora Winter. She has her website, The Grief Coach Academy. She has reached over a million people already with her message of hope, healing, and happiness. She is incredible. You will love her as I do already uh, because I've spoken with her along the way on my path. She's been featured on ABC, CBS, Fox, Oprah Radio, and more. She is a mover and a shaker and gets that grief out of all of our bodies. Aurora Winter, where have you been all my life, girl? (laughs) (laughs) I agree. Where have you been? I love you. Totally so in love with you. The first time we connected, there's something so magical and special about your energy. It's just emanating waves of love. So I can see why you've got such a, a, pop, a popular following on your radio show and at your congregation. I loved what you said about tools, not rules. And that's what I'm all about at the Grief Coach Academy, to give people simple, practical, accessible tools that they can use to help them go from heartbreak to happiness and help them help others as well. Well, what you teach and what you offer and, and bringing people to look, folks. Um, grief isn't something you do um, one time uh, in a lifetime when someone passes or transition. Um, grief, if we are living well and if we are thriving, um, we are grieving um, consistently about a lot of things. Um, and and we are going through life and we are either dealing with it or it's making a deal for us to deal with it. You know, so... Absolutely. Well, I, I define I grief... I you in every classroom in, in, <laughs> in the world. That's what I want to see you in. That would be my first knowing for you. Well, but, uh, great. Every classroom, every congregation, every meeting hall, these are tools everybody needs in their toolkit. And yet somehow in North America, we seem to pretend that heartbreak and grief is, is not part of the fabric of life. And it so is, like you were saying. You know, I define grief as the loss of hopes and dreams. Mm 
So it doesn't have to be death. People often think, oh, grief is only the death of a loved one, a mother, a father, a spouse, a child. But I define grief as any significant loss of hopes and dreams. It could be a breakup. It could be a divorce. It could be a job loss. It could be a bankruptcy. It could be just simply aging and going, oh, wow, I'm 55. I guess I'm not going to have children. And I had thought I was going to, so I have to give up that hope and dream. You can always adopt, but, you know, just use that as an example. So from big and small, there's all kinds of flavors of heartbreak, of grief, of dealing with adversity, from, you know, having to face the fact that mom or dad does finally need to be put into a a care home because they're not able to care for themselves. That's a kind of grief. Or having a child who has special needs. Of course, you love and adore them, but you had some hopes and dreams for the future that are probably not going to unfold quite the way you had anticipated. So it, it is a really valuable and important topic for everybody to know how to help themselves and help other people what to say and not say to somebody who's dealing with heartbreak, major life change, or grief. That's so powerful. You know, a, another thing, too, that that I was kind of coming to mind, the image um, that would be pertinent since, you know, one out of five people now is either authoring a book or wanting to, um, you know, grief could be as subtle as um, they turned down my book proposal. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, one of the things that, that I like to highlight with people in our humanity is is people will mention something like, um, oh, I, I applied for the job, uh, or guess what? I heard back from the company. They said they had three candidates. I thought I was going to get it, and I didn't. And mm-hmm. my response, your response to them would be, oh, you know, I know that Oh, I'm sure you feel disappointed about that. And the person will say almost predictably, it's no big deal. Mm-hmm. And so what I hold in the space is when someone says something and then they follow it with, it's no big deal, then what I know is it is, and they are in denial. What do you mm-hmm. think about that? You are such a wise woman. Yeah, we really <laughs> we really want to be uh, mindful and alert for those, quote-unquote, Academy Award recoveries. It's no big deal, you know, where people say what they would like to be true. And that's actually a recipe for prolonging the grief or the heartbreak. You know, unresolved grief or stress can prematurely age your cells by a decade. So it's not something to ignore or just gloss over. It's, you know, if you can't feel it, you can't heal it. In fact, this interesting study, Bottom Line Health, studied 4,000 married adults in Massachusetts, and they just studied them over a 10-year period. And they were shocked to discover that women who stuffed their feelings when they had an argument with their husband were four times more likely to die in that 10-year period four times more likely to die. So you're quite on the money there, Temple. If somebody says, oh, it's no big deal, and you know that it is, you can give such a gift by being willing to hold space, to listen with compassion, and let them get get that off their heart, off their chest. So um, in your coaching then, Aurora, if I, if I say to somebody, gosh, you know, I regret you didn't get what you wanted, or... Um, I mean, I would do that. I also know there's a lot of people would say, oh, it's simply because you have a divine appointment somewhere else. Or, oh, everything is in divine order. Oh, God's delays are not God's denials. And don't get me wrong. I think that those are very, they're not only appropriate statements. uh, They are absolute truth statements. And yet, that's not the time to say it. That's what I'm clear about. There's another time on down the road that that conversation would actually be heard and felt and transcend the person, but not in the immediate moment. But in that exactly. in that space, um, if somebody says it, it's no big deal, and I'm still there and I'm with them and I'm holding the space, what? Where's the next step? Where am I going to go with that? Do how do I? How do you coach us? What do we do? Yeah, well, yeah, we can dive into some things to to say and not say, and then maybe we. Uh, should tell the listeners a little bit about why I got so interested in grief and tell them a little bit of a, the, the why I got to this, if, you, if you'd like. But Absolutely. I, yeah, I think the key with what to say and not to say 
is to, to do three steps. So you want to acknowledge, which is the, really the step that you're talking about when somebody says it's no big deal. They are in denial. They're not acknowledging it to themselves probably, and they're certainly not acknowledging it to you. So one of the keys to being, uh, and you've said this word, you know, presence, hold the space. And I just want to say an easy way to do that is take a deep breath. So when you're dealing with somebody who's grieving, heartbroken, stressed, or having an emotional meltdown, help yourself. You may not have the ability to hold the space a mile wide like Temple can, but you can hold the space by just taking a deep breath and come fully into your body, and then acknowledge that situation. So if the person blows it off by saying it's no big deal, you can t- take a deep breath and say, wow, you know, I'm so disappointed for you that that didn't go forward. Do you have anybody to talk to about it? You know, you can create an opening for them to be real rather than have that sort of Academy Award recovery. It sounds like a small thing, but it's not. Actually acknowledging, which is what you've brought up here, Temple, is um, an essential key to healing and to being seen. You know, if, unless you're seen and acknowledged, you can't really um, be vulnerable enough to, to heal and release. And, um, for example, when my son was four, after his father died, he would literally just, at his, the threshold, he would say to his little five-year-old friend, you know, my dad is dead. And the little friend would just say, oh. And that was all he needed to feel safe enough to go in and and play. So that acknowledgement piece invites the person to be real, to be authentic, and is the first step to having a healing and supportive uh, conversation around this. The second step is to listen without fixing. So it's not really that important what you say, although I can cover some, some do's and don'ts, but to be, again, take that deep breath and just listen without fixing. Some of those things that you mentioned, like you know, God's delays or not God's denials and these kinds of things, can come across as fixing or minimizing or not hearing the person out. So uh, there may be a time to have that discussion later, but initially what you want to do is listen without fixing to hold the space and not put your opinion on the other person or put some kind of platitude on the other person, which can be very like, ow. And then the, the third step is to, you know, give hope and encouragement or if you're able, you know, to do a little bit of coaching. But you can do those three things in less than five minutes. And I want you to know that that five minutes can change that person's trajectory of how they're going to uh, resolve, release, and transcend that heartbreak or stress. How does that resonate with you, Temple? Oh, that's a immensely powerful that that space of of no response of just letting that that magic and like you said, just seeing and um I've said before that to me our one of our biggest tasks in life is to be a validatorian, you know not the honoring that we get at college, but the validatorian in other words, did I validate you at the space? in which you are there, in which you exist. You had made a reference to your son being four. Is that with with his father dying, is that where you had a turning point? How did you um, become aware of the necessity of this for people to, to live? Yeah, well, what I just wanted to share, you know my story, but some of your listeners may not. Um, you know, my husband died suddenly at the age of 33, and he was my best friend, he was my business partner, and he was the father of our four-year-old son. So in that one night when he died in front of me, I felt like Humpty Dumpty. I felt like my entire life had shattered and into a million pieces, and I didn't know if I'd ever be able to pick those pieces up and, and super glue them back together again enough to be uh, workable. So this was 20 years ago. My husband died in 1991, actually. And so that really sent my life in a different direction. And I see now that, you know, God really had his hand on guiding me. Um, but first, just for myself, I wanted to figure out how can I get through this valley of the shadow of death more quickly. And then for others, I wanted to help them not flounder around so long because people typically on average suffer five to eight years after a devastating loss. And that's why I founded the Grief Coach Academy because five to eight years is way too long for people to suffer. Um, 
And now how I really feel is that, you know, before I was even born, God asked for a volunteer. And he said, can I have a volunteer who'd like to teach people how to go from heartbreak to happiness? I'm like, ooh, that sounds like a cool life mission. Pick me. And then he asked for a volunteer who would be willing to teach me what I needed to know. And then my late husband volunteered. So with that insight, there's really no grief. There's only gratitude. Oh, that's so that's so powerful. Well, to me, um, what you're bringing back is all of the ancient medicine that the Aborigines and the tribal leaders knew, um, you know, hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands of years ago that um, when you recognize the place where someone's at and they've had loss or change or something isn't changing and they're grieving that, they would come together as a tribe and they would, through sound, um, through energy, through music, through vibration, they would support uh, an ability to kind of catapult that person totally back present into their being. And then from that, um, then the person could get on the other side of whatever that huge you know, heart opening or break was. Um, and you're bringing back those kind of, of formulas in, in modern 21st century. Um, and that's why I said to you, I want to sign up for, you know, whatever you're doing and what you're about, because, um, when we look at 70% of our society being on medication, um, you know, we are stuffing a lot of stuff and I, I'm, I get that not all medication is, I'm, I don't want someone to hear that, that I'm saying all medication is due to grief. No, I'm not saying that. But when you look at 70%, there is a large percentage there of people that are numbing um, that for whatever reason. Uh, and um, like you said, to feel it is to heal it. And, um, yeah. and, and that's huge. That, that's so, so huge. Um, yeah. Well, I, my experience when my husband died, I felt like our souls were Velcroed together and that as his departed, it was like tearing at my soul. You know, my uh, experience is that we are energetically connected to any person that we deeply love and cherish or other things that we deeply love and cherish, like a pet. We can also be energetically connected to and in our in our society, we just say, "Oh, I'm fine," <laughs> rather than uh, doing some processes or some coaching or some healing or some meditation or going to your church to um, call back our energy and and so that we are whole and perfect and not like um, I don't know an octopus with tangles of energy wisping around. You know, we do need to do processes to resolve unresolved heartbreak or grief or if that metaphor is too um, difficult for some of the listeners to to follow a simple way to put it is I think that unresolved grief is like a brick each breakup each divorce each job loss each um, being you know major disappointment a child with special needs a parent who dies is like a brick that you put in your backpack or purse and you know one brick you can manage two bricks well it's not so bad and, and but yet you know by the time we're 50 we've got 100 pounds in our purse or backpack and we're like oh i can manage i can manage well what we do at the grief coach academy is we we look at each one of those bricks we take them out of the purse or backpack one at a time and we um we review it and um, receive the gold of wisdom, compassion, insight, understanding that came from that relationship. And then we ask, you know, do we really need to carry this heavy brick? And we release and transcend and alchemize that, that grief and put down the heavy weight of the unnecessary, unresolved things. And yet keep the, the little flecks of light gold of the wisdom, compassion, enlightenment. So my experience after spending maybe a year at the training at the Grief Coach Academy for the coaches who train with us is it looks like they've they aged, you know, a decade in reverse, which is pretty cool. 
Wow. And that, that alone would um, encourage a lot of people to get more involved and evolved with the ideas um, which you're speaking about. And we're looking forward to, to more. Um, I'm Temple Hayes, and I am interviewing Aurora Winter. She is the uh, founder of Grief Coach Academy. You can go to her website during our break and find out more about her. And we'll be right back uh, following these brief messages. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. This programming is made possible through the generous love offerings of listeners like you. If you feel spiritually fed by this programming, we invite you to contribute. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Do you sometimes feel as though the door to happiness has closed? and there's no other door in sight. In her book, Ask Yourself This, Unity Minister Wendy Craig Purcell reminds us that everything happens for a reason. We've all experienced situations which felt like anything but good. We may have lost our job or gone through a divorce or experienced some other dark night of the soul. Yet those very experiences, when met spiritually, can lead us to a much greater good. The lost job can be what finally motivates us to discover the work that truly feeds our soul. The ending of a marriage can trigger us to do the emotional healing and personal growth work we've been avoiding for years. Every one of us can look back at negative or painful experiences in our lives and say that they turned out to be the best, worst things that ever happened to us. For more insight from Wendy Craig Purcell, read Ask Yourself This from Unity House Books. If you're focused on getting the right answers, Ask Yourself This emphasizes the importance of asking the right questions. Order your copy today at www.unity.org. Do you think you know all you want to know about the characters in the Bible? Do you know who could be called the king who loved too much? Or what it means to be a Jezebel? Or that the best love story in the Bible begins with the declared commitment of two women? The Bible's symbolic meaning can help you transform your life and discover the presence and power of God within you. Find out what these characters can teach you about your own life today by tuning into Biblical Power for Your Life. Each week, co-hosts Reverends Karen Tudor and E.J. Niles present a Bible character from a historical, cultural, psychological, and symbolic perspective. Your comments and questions are part of this lively discussion. Tune in every Thursday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, and power up your life only at Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for listening to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. If you have a question or comment about today's discussion, you can email us at theintentionalspirit at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here is your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. Welcome back, everyone. And I just want to say for the record, thank you for thinking enough of yourself that you are wanting to have tools in your life that support you in living a thriving life. And also that you think enough of your friends and your family members that you share these great messages uh, with people that you love and care about because so much of it is how we move from our knowing to our growing to our showing. And as uh, my guest Aurora Winter would say, and as I would say, this is not about us. It's about an energy and an essence that can support uh, our communities and our world at coming from a different vibration in which there are not just all these unresolved emotional body issues that create 
uh, rageaholics, uh, violence, um, disappointment, depression, and a lot of those kind of things. And how we support grief and work with grief will make um, a tremendous difference in how we are healthy um, and how we uh, connect in a way that is forever young. All right. I just feel like saying amen to that. I don't know amen. what I just said, but I'm <laughs> I'm all over it. I'm going to listen to it later. Anyway, here you are, Aurora, and um, thank you for the work you're doing in the world, and thank you for living your sacred story, you know, and uh, you're a perfect example of someone that's taken tragedy and trauma and transcended it into designing your life in a way that is uh, changing millions of lives out there in the world. So I, I salute you. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Well, one of the things I, I think is a lot of people um, believe the myth that if, if or when really something devastating happens to them, that they're broken or they're less than after that experience. So in my case, it was death, the death of my husband, suddenly at the age of 33, leaving me, whoa, suddenly widowed with a four-year-old. But it might be, you know, a special needs child, the death of a parent, the death of a relationship through a divorce, a bankruptcy, a job loss. And I think people generally tend to think they are broken and less than, and that the most they can hope for is like to super glue their life back together. So it's 95% or you know, of what it was. And I want to just um, give hope to people who are listening. I I researched this because obviously I was very concerned about my son. It was four when his dad died. Like, was he going to be um, damaged by this or was there hope? (laughs) So there is hope. Not only that, it's really quite amazing when you you get deep into it. And I'm I'm researching this for the, the book I'm writing right now. So the scientist actually... Uh, decided that he would research people who became uh, eminent enough to uh, have a half-page entry in Encyclopedia Britannica. So that was a list of uh, 573 people, and it was everybody from Don F. Kennedy to Michelangelo. And what he was amazed to discover is that that really eminent, successful group actually lost their first parent at an early age. In other words, the early early adversity, in this case represented by the early loss of the first parent, was not a predictor of later failure in life, but was actually, curiously enough, a predictor of later success in life. So on average, those eminent people lost their first parent under the age of 14 versus the age of 20 for a control group. That study concluded that orphans rule the world. But it's interesting to note that, you know, Jefferson, Lincoln, Gandhi, Newton, Darwin, Michelangelo, Bach, Emerson, Emily Bronte, Mark Twain, 15 British prime ministers, and more recently, Bill Clinton, Stephen Colbert, Julia Roberts, all these people lost apparent early. Now, I wouldn't recommend it as a you know, course of action, but it's reassuring. And it's not only the first loss of a parent, that's just something easily to see statistically, but that any major loss can be your, your ignition point to live your divine calling, live your divine mission instead of like so many people are, you know, sleepwalking through their life. So the, the gift in heart-wrenching grief is that it can actually cause us to wake up. And I think what it actually does is it causes us early in life to ask us the five questions that many people don't ask themselves until they're dying on their deathbed. And I want to share those five deathbed regret questions, but I want to just check if you had anything you wanted to add to that temple about the early loss of a parent. I have my uh, pencil and pen, and I'm ready to go. Five questions. That's okay. <laughs> so the top, the top five regrets of the dying are: I wish I had lived a life true to my dreams instead of what others expected of me. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends. I wish I had let myself be happier. I wish I'd had the courage to express my true self. Well, I I think, and I've personally experienced... Can you give me those again? Can you sure. say those one the more top, time? Because I know five, people are like me, writing sure. them down. True top to my five, dreams. I wish I'd lived a life true to my dreams instead of what others expected of me is one. Number two, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Number three is I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends. 
Number four is, I wish I'd let myself be happier. Number five, I wish I'd had the courage to express my true self. This is from a palliative care nurse, Bronnie Rare. So what grief or heartbreak or major disappointment or some kind of an emotional earthquake in your life does, I think, is it gives you the gift of going, holy moly, I don't have forever. And so it turns each of those regrets into powerful coaching questions that you can ask yourself right now. So I'll turn each of those into questions, and I invite the listeners to take one action, no matter how small, within 24 hours of listening to this uh, interview, and um, and take some action on at least one of these. So the five this turns into five coaching questions at the Grief Coach Academy, including, number one, how can I let go of the expectations of others? and live a life true to myself and my own dreams. Number two, how can I create a life of meaning and purpose? Number three, how can I build better relationships with friends and family? Number four, how can I design my life so I'm happy and flourishing? And number five, how can I express my true self more fully and not die with my music inside me? So this is what we do at the Grief Coach Academy, um, myself as well as the students that I train, ask these questions, but what a gift to ask yourself these questions, not out of your dying breath when it's too late to do anything about it, but now while you're still young and healthy and energetic and can take action to change the course of your life so you don't die with those common regrets. Wow, that's so powerful. Mm-hmm. Now, do you have... Um... Uh, people sign up to be part of Academy. Uh, describe for us how that works. How do people become part of your Academy and get the training and those kind of things? Well, keep, people can find out more by going to griefcoachacademy.com. They can also get a free copy of my brand new soft cover book, Grief Relief in 30 Minutes there. And if they're interested in training to become a coach or if they would like the support of a um, From Heartbreak to Happiness certified coach, they can also sign up for a free strategy session and talk to um, one of my team members individually so that we can support them. There's no obligation. Um, so you can go to griefcoachacademy.com and sign up for a free strategy session or get the free book, Grief Relief in 30 Minutes. But basically how the training works, we have a home study course that's like a do-it-yourself uh, program for people who are already good communicators. So that would be perhaps something that a, a, a minister or a grief support group leader uh, would want to have in their toolkit, giving them extra tools and resources and very specific coaching processes to help somebody go uh, from heartbreak to happiness and to release that grief. And then we also have a live interactive training program that's a year-long uh, program for people who actually want to become coaches. On average, coaches make uh, $200 an hour. On average, full-time coaches make about $80,000 a year, a little more. So it's a wonderful career. You can also do it part-time. Um, but for those who are interested in becoming a coach, most of those people dive in with both feet and they do the, the year-long training, which includes a bunch of events, weekly phone calls, uh, direct access to me as their mentor and coach, and, and that kind of thing. So we have a couple of different options there. Oh, wow. That's um, such an opportunity for so many people now, especially those of you that are out in the field and you're already doing life coaching or spiritual counseling or wanting to just be a really good role model. What I look for when I look for people that I want to either be on a team with or, you know, as I say here uh, often on a Sunday, to have the people in my boat. Mm-hmm. I want to be with people that are willing to sit in the spaces and places of their lives that are working towards being, you know, self-actualized. And I think it's very important um, for counseling and coaching, and and any of us that are in a leadership role, leaders of nonprofits, uh, that we are congruent and people can feel it, that we understand grief and we we know how to sit with our own first and foremost, and we know how to embrace it and to honor others in embracing it. I mean, it's so much more than let us talk to individuals about, you know, grief is important. It, um, especially those of us that are communicating with people all the time, uh, we need to really get on, on target and on task about 
um, sitting with our with our with our grief and the changes of whatever they are, because until we do, we'll never be able to be there for anybody else. Not in a way that's going to be a difference maker. We can be just like everybody else. We can just say, "Oh yeah, you know, at least you had him as long as you did, or <laughs> you'll get over it, or you know, no no worries. Um, you know, they're better off, or all the things that." You know, when I hear it, I just go, oh, please, let's start at chapter one, you know, chapter one. But, well, it's uh, interesting anyway. what you're saying about being able to be there first first for your own grief. It's so funny. I have so many uh, students training at the Grief Coach Academy, you know, ministers, ministers, wives, coaches, therapists, other people who you wouldn't necessarily think like, you know, divorce attorneys, financial planners, but people who are dealing with people and their important ma- uh, personal matters. Um, and so many of them tell me after a few months of training, they're like, wow, I thought I came to this program to help other people, but now I see I actually hadn't released my mother's death, actually hadn't gotten over that divorce, actually wasn't okay with the fact that I had a special needs child or fill in the blank. And I see that God led me to your program, Aurora, so that I could first put down the cross I was carrying. So, uh, it's a, you know, really, I'm getting choked up because it's such an honor and uh, privilege for me to be a catalyst for people to put down their own heavy burdens and then step into the light to be really of the full service to others that they can be once their own heavy grief has been released and transcended. Aurora, I'm I'm sure that you have, you know, so many stories that that you can tell. Um, with everyday life, um, help us Let's say that um, someone's um, husband or wife or partner has um, has died. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the space that we can hold for that person? Mm. You know, I've, I've personally experienced there's so much value in, in connecting to spirit and really sending uh, heart-centered uh, prayer energy to the person, whether they're across the country across the room or right beside you. So the first thing to do in my experience would be to to tap into that divine energy field and hold that energy field for the person. I'm sure you could chime in and and add more on that point. Would you like to? Um, I want to (laughs) hear... You want to hear what I want want to say? The other thing I think what we want to be mindful of, it's very easy to when somebody's crying or upset or really disappointed or grieving or heartbroken, it's really easy to get sucked into, oh, poor you, this is a wrongness, and you're a victim. We want to be very mindful not to align and agree with the victim energy or story, and neither to resist or react. So when somebody says, oh, I can't believe it, you know, my husband has left me for a woman 20 years younger, it's easy to do one of, oh, poor you kind of energy, or that asshole, sorry, pardon my language, that, <laughs> that's a wrongness. No, so to align or agree or resist or react are both energy fields of duality. And so a higher energy vibration is of peace. So it's a both-and energy field that's more aligned with the God force. And so you can, it's a bit tricky. You need to hold your own space first. And um, I'm sure, you know, Temple's radio show will help you do that, or you can take the training at the Grief Coach Academy or other ways. Your own energy field is the most important. And until you've put down and transcended and released your own grief, it's hard to hold that space for, or it's impossible to hold that space for something, someone else. You can't give what you don't already have. So the important thing is to hold that compassionate, loving, caring space, neither agreeing with the victim story, because when you agree, you're feeding that monster of, woe is me, I'm a victim, life sucks, and neither resisting and reacting with some platitude. Um, does that make sense? It it totally makes sense. It absolutely, you know, it makes a lot of sense. And that's uh, one of, sorry, one of the tools that I have, one of the trainings that I have at the Grief Coach Academy is a simple coaching process 
called the peace method because that energy field of peace that I was just alluding to is so key. But like Temple was saying at the beginning, you know, she loves to have tools, not rules. And the peace method is a simple five-step tool that you can get and read in depth about in the free book, Grief Relief in 30 Minutes. And I can also, if we have time, I can talk, talk through it, Temple. Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd love to do that. Why don't we save the beginning of our from our next break segment that you would start out with just, with just that. Okay, that um, sounds great. I think um, another thing that, that people tend to do when they are, you know, they see someone close to them and they begin to cry and they start yeah. feeling their feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, uh, I, an awareness I've had, it, it all starts with what I do about a Kleenex. <laughs> you know, um, I am not so quick to just jump up and run, go get somebody a Kleenex because it's a distraction and it gets them from their heart back into their mind. And exactly. then it makes them think about themselves on a deeper, deeper level. So I, I am a kind, compassionate person. I will get the Kleenex, but I usually wait until the person is completely finished with the idea, the feeling the sharing, and more often than not, they will ask me, do you have a Kleenex? But I won't, the moment I see a tear coming down their face or a sniffle snoo snoo, I won't just go, here, let me get you a Kleenex, because it shuts them down. It doesn't facilitate the process. Exactly of right. We cover up. this in the first class. This is Grief Coaching 101. You're a star student, and you haven't even taken the training, at least not yet. Maybe you'll come to my event in November. I'd love that. Exactly right. Also, it subtly communicates that crying is wrongness. Mm-hmm. And and it does interrupt the flow, and it can make people self-conscious. I think tears are like a, a shower for the soul. And I think to be willing to be present for whatever is moving in the other person, whether it's tears, whether it's laughter, whether it's, you know, mascara, like raccoon eyes, <laughs> you know, just to be willing to be present. When they want the Kleenex, they'll ask you for it. Oh, yeah, that you're, oh, that's so great. Well, we're looking forward to hearing our, our special treat you're going to give us when we come right back after break. I want to thank all of you for your continuing support and contributions to Unity Online Radio. It's because of your efforts and your energy and making our shows matter that we're able to do what we so much love to do, and that's offer a message uh, for a changing world, uh, one that is immensely impactful i would urge all of you to visit our website at unitycampus.org love you to know about us we have ongoing messages we have teaching that we reach people near and far online all over the world i'm temple hayes and we will be right back with the one and only aurora winter Need support interrupting unhealthy patterns and building practices that support your potential? Visit www.servicetoself.com to join one of Freeman Michael's excellent online coaching programs. Again, that's www.servicetoself.com. Overcoming unhealthy patterns and becoming the you that you were born to be. Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth. Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. We now return to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being. With your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. 
All right, everybody. I just get um, energized by talking about grief because anytime I hear a conversation and teaching and coaching uh, such as what Aurora Winter is able to offer, I mean, I think it ought to be a requirement for every uh, ministerial student, every leader, um, every real estate person all over the world. People need this information um, to understand the depth of um, never dismissing our humanity. I think that's the thing, uh, Aurora, that um, sometimes my heart feels a little heavy is that we don't want to dismiss our our humanity. Uh, It's crucial because if we were designed to be happy robots 24-7, push a button like the Jetsons, well, we (laughs) do that. You know, but uh, our creator did not create us that way. Um, one of the most significant moments I, I had was um, I do shaman work. I do soul retrieval. I've uh, worked with a lot of people and seen past images where they're holding on to energy and pain and blah, blah. Uh, That's a different talk for a different day. But one of the ones that made my hair stand off my head is that I was uh, near a horse farm and someone heard that I was in the area and invited me in to work with one of their colts because this colt had been so honorary, had been so difficult to deal with and they just couldn't understand it. And so I went and they asked me if I could do soul retrieval on this horse. And I said, of course, well, I just say, of course, you know, to where God asked me to be. And I'd never done that before in my life, but I just knew that I would be guided. Uh, and so I, I walked into the stall. I laid my hands on the horse and I said, I see you. I feel you. And I am here for you. And in that moment, big tears started coming out of that horse's eyes. I won't ever forget that as long as I live. As long as I live, I will remember that. Wow. That gives me chills. And that's really what we want to do, either even saying those words aloud or sending that energy to somebody who's grieving, heartbroken, or having some kind of emotional meltdown, to send that energy. I see you. I feel you, I'm here for you. Mm. Mm-hmm. Instead of, here's a platitude. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mr. Percy, don't fall down, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. I see you, I feel you, I'm here for you. And that's what we really do as coaches at the Grief Coach Academy. Well, I want to give the listeners this tool. Shall we dive into the peace method, my trademarked coaching process? I am ready to dive. I have okay. Nice you might want to have a, a pencil and, and pen, uh, a pencil or pen and piece of paper handy, although you can get the full details about this. It's in my latest book, Grief Relief in 30 Minutes, How to Use the Peace Method to Go from Heartbreak to Happiness. And again, you can get that for free online at griefcoachacademy.com. Um, and if you want to become a coach or find out more about getting a coach, you can also sign up for a free strategy session at griefcoachacademy.com. So the peace method, it, you know, we, before the break, we were talking about holding that energy field of peace for another person, which you did so beautifully for the horse. And the peace method is a simple tool that you can use as a journaling process, and you can also use it as a coaching process. Obviously, it helps to be trained, but you can, uh, nonetheless, it's simple, it's it's accessible. So the PEACE method stands for the P-E-A-C-E. It's an acronym. So the P stands for coming fully into the present moment. The E stands for express your feelings, because if you can't feel it, you can't heal it. The A stands for allowing, accepting, or appreciating The C stands for considering the contrary, and the E stands for enthusiasm, which I love that word because it literally means what are you filled with God about, and Theo, Theo being God. So let me give you a quick example. What you want to notice is that just a nanosecond before the tears came or the knife in the heart feeling came or the upset feeling came, there was actually a thought. Feelings are like clouds. They're a little hard to catch (laughs) and work with, but thoughts 
are easy to write down and easy to work with. The thought creates the feeling. So when you work with the thought, you can release it and heal it, transcend it, alchemize that grief into wisdom. So let me give you a really quick example of how you can use the peace method by telling you how I used it. So in February, I was uh, having a cup of tea at uh, the coffee bean, I think it was, and my cell phone rang, and it was one of those phone calls that you hate getting. And it was my brother, and he said, Mom's in the hospital. She seems to have had a stroke. So immediately, I had the knife in the heart feeling. You know, so I, I, I sat down. I was like, okay, I need to take a deep breath. And I, I realized I was very, uh, uh, you know, weighed down with that. So I'm like, okay, Aurora, you know what to do. Do the peace method. So I asked myself, well, what is the thought that preceded that knife in the heart feeling? The thought was, my mom's going to die. Okay, so that would be the painful thought. Write it down so it doesn't morph on you. So I'll use that as an example so the listeners will have this tool in their toolkit. So my mom is going to die. Ow, painful thought. So the first the P of the peace method is to come into the present moment and ask yourself if that thought is about the past, which will never change, or about the future. And if you want to have the recipe for stress, try to solve all potential future problems. It's impossible. Or if it's about the present, which is our, our only our one and only point of power. So I took a couple of deep breaths. Here's a little meditation I love from a Buddhist monk Thich Nhat Hanh, and uh, listeners can uh, do this right now if they like. So inhale and relax your body. Exhale and smile. Inhale, coming fully into the present moment. And exhale, knowing it's a wonderful moment. So I did that. I took those four breaths. Already I felt much more present, much better. And then I asked myself, is this thought... My mom is going to die about the past, the present, or the future. Well, we can tell from the verb tense, my mom is going to die. It's about the future. So we can never solve all potential future problems, but we can deal with the one thing right here, right now, that's in the present. So then I moved on, and already that felt quite a bit better. Then I allowed myself to express my feelings. So I just, you know, tuned into how does my body feel, where does my mind go, you know, what is the cost to me of that thought and, you know, connected with that and honored that. That just took a moment. And then I moved on to the allowing or perhaps even appreciating the thought, my mom is going to die. Well, I didn't find anything to appreciate about it in that moment. But when I befriended the thought, not aligning or agreeing or resisting or reacting, but staying in the energy field of peace, and being willing to allow for that thought, she's going to die. I immediately shifted to peace because I'm like, yeah, that actually is true. She is going to die. I'm going to die. As far as I know, we're all going to die. I think our souls are immortal, but that's another uh, conversation. When I allowed for the thought, just as if if you allow an hour to change trains, you can change trains peacefully, whereas if you allow two minutes, you're going to change trains with a lot of stress at the train station. So when I allowed for the thought she's going to die, that knife went away from my heart and it evaporated. So considering the contrary, she's not going to die was interesting. I got a a little bit more of a lift from that, Um, you know, the ways that she wasn't going to die, her stories, her DNA, her love live on forever, her soul is immortal, Um, these kinds of things gave me a little bit more lift, although honestly allowing it released the issue for me. And then the final step, I always think all coaching should end with forward momentum. That's one of the distinctions between coaching and therapy. We don't want to just look at the problem. We want to take action. So what am I enthusiastic about or what do I consciously choose as the last step of the peace method? So I realized that I was enthusiastic to do something about this and to go and visit my mom. So I went home and immediately booked a flight uh, from California to Vancouver, B.C., Canada, where my mom lives. So in less than five minutes, I shifted from, uh, from feeling pain to feeling peace and to doing something useful, constructive, and proactive about it. So that is the coaching process called the peace method. And again, I wrote a whole book about it with a lot more things that you could do in 30 minutes or less. And that book's called Grief, 
relief in 30 minutes, how to use the peace method to go from heartbreak to happiness. One of the things I like best about the book is it's got actual transcripts of a bunch of real-life coaching sessions I did with real-life people with all kinds of situations they were dealing with, whether they were confronting their own death, whether they were dealing with their son-in-law cheating on their daughter, uh, whether they were dealing with uh, a breakup, whether they were dealing with uh, financial uh, loss or dealing with a child who'd gone off to college and empty nest, uh, ambiguous grief, all kinds of different um, actual real coaching sessions that use the peace method to even you know, deepen um, your ability to use this as a tool yourself. And if you want to train at the Grief Coach Academy and get really good at helping yourself and others, then you can go to griefcoachacademy.com and get that free strategy session. How does that peace method sound to you as a useful tool? Temple? I absolutely love it. I, I I started going into a process myself, even though, you know, and I would always be willing to do that. But right now we're in conversation. Uh, yet it just, I can see it's just um, immensely uh, powerful. I'm well, time permitting, online. do you want to do a mini process? Did you have a painful thought that you were willing to share and walk through? Uh, well, I was just going through my own about my own mom uh, uh-huh. because I, too, am in that, that place um, of, um, you know, seeing that uh, there are some changes going on in her life and uh, in her energy. And that's a loss of mm-hmm. when you have known someone to be a certain way. And, you know, I, I think about how she you know, would get up at, I mean, I used to not tell her when I was getting up, especially if it was early, you know, um, because she would make a point to be up before me, you know, always. She was the first one up uh, Mm -hmm. to tend to the the group, to the family. And now, Mm -hmm. you know, um, it's on up in the, in the morning and, you know, and it's not, oh, I did that already and I'm doing something different. It's a, it's a, it's something's changing, you know, um, uh, there's a so there's a or you know the, um, when somebody's come to visit you two or three times a year and then they go no it's just too hard for me now yeah. well then something's changing and so uh, that whole process it it I felt a relief just walking through it because I was thinking well that was exactly what just happened to me and that is really what I did is that I, I got enthusiastic because I changed all my plans and I went to see mom and I did some creative things for her and I committed to, uh, always taking care of, uh, getting her hair done the rest of her life. And, you know, it just like, wow, wow, wow. So I felt like, okay, in some simple way, um, I was able to take that to a whole, whole new place, not, denying that those things aren't still there but being able to hold it in in a different way and I I tell my mom and I tell other people that um you know that a lot of people can really feel sorry for you and those kind of things and it is part of our humanity and that's okay but I always want to hold a space for people that you know you can get better all can be well um, and you can continue as an intentional spirit. Aurora, it's so uh, fascinating to me that our time is up. I feel like oh, we wow. barely sat down in the chair and put our microphones on. But I just want to tell you how much I value the work um, and believe in you and anything I can ever do uh, with you or getting you more into the unity movement. Um, I'm I'm on your team and I'm wearing a T-shirt. I want to thank you so much for being who you are. And uh, please continue being that vibrant light in the the world um, and a blessing to us. A real quick reminder, everyone, go to Aurora's website at griefcoachacademy.com. You can get free things. You can get things to purchase. Um, Don't miss out on a great opportunity. God bless you, everyone, on this exciting journey called life. Use your tools in order that they accelerate you to the level of where you are supposed to be. God bless. Thank you for tuning into The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. Join us every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central for tools and simple applications which will support you from being alive to fully living. This program is brought to you in part by First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida.
To learn more about this ministry, go to www.unitycampus.org or www.templehays.org. You know the saying, a good deed is its own reward? Well, moving toward a plant-based diet and vegan lifestyle is one kind and compassionate act that isn't just its own reward. It will also reward you with vibrant health, boundless energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, and according to Yogi's and Unity's co-founder Charles Fillmore, even give a boost to your spiritual life. On Main Street Vegan, the radio program named for the popular book, Victoria Moran will make your move in a vegan direction easy, fun, affordable, and delicious. With enticing topics and entertaining guests every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcast.